oink. Oh, that didn't last long. Yeah, that's fine. We have water top. That's okay. <laughs> bots and bots and bots, they <laughs> die. All Just right. Double check. You only need one long too, right? Like you've yeah. got two. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Who cares? Okay. All right. <laughs> and we're live. Hey, everybody. It's Flail Forward. There's remarkably six of us here tonight. This is Rob. Yeah, I'm Fred. Hi. That's Fred. The, the, the second guy who talked is Fred. <laughs> the first one who talked was Kevoir. Hi. Hi, Kevoir. Uh, what? No. The clapper was Catrice. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then Mark's over there. I am here. Hello. And Jonathan's over there. Or not. Jonathan's on his phone, and maybe the quality's not as good, or maybe the phone is... Nope, oh, and we lost Jonathan. Okay. Oh, you went to the audience for some reason. I wonder what so, that's we, uh, we have... Uh, well, spoke too soon. I jinxed it. I jinx we jinxed the whole thing. Uh, as per usual. Side, at least we know where everybody's standing, and that's the important part in the podcast. Right. I was Speak being... yourself. I am sitting. I'm also sitting, which is weird. I'm also not wearing pants because nobody can prove otherwise. Okay. Sure. Okay. So tonight, our topic is uh, what we love about these games, version two, non April Fool's edition. Specifically AKA... talking about games that we are most that we mostly don't like, but have some good things in them. And I will try not to talk about a game I don't want to admit to I played. <laughs> Despite the fact I have a lot of those feelings about it. Yeah. All, a, AKA How I Learned to Stop Caring and Love D&D. A uh, great subtitle by Catrice. Thank you. Yes, that was actually good. Hi, John. Hi again, Jonathan. Mm. Hey, am I coming? Yes. 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 Jonathan here. Hello, everyone. Yep. So Rob started this topic in a very good way. So you should you should just repeat what he said right before we started recording. What? Oh, uh, I I oh right sure. Uh, sorry, that was sort of ambushy. I forgot. I'm sorry. What I was I about. No, no, no. It's all good. Now I remember. Because <laughs> I was like, I started the conversation in a great way. That's weird. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And yes, I have been reading Invisible Sun. I have been, uh, I have opened up the big black cube for the second time and have started um, so, trying to figure out how to run it. Paying penance. Paying penance. Thank you. Yep. Uh, and uh, I like the packaging a lot. Yeah, that's not exactly. A oh, that was a short list. <laughs> <laughs> okay, is what there do you like about the that? packaging? Like, what oh, is... it's a big black cube, and it opens up in this really cool magical way. Like, it just kind of unfolds in this cool, like, ooh, there's something cool in here. And there's this uh, red foil uh, sigil on the top, and then like the books are sort of arrayed sideways in the cube and then it pulls out and there's there's like three shelves of cardboard in the in the cube that pull out and there's a 
there's a hand in one of them, like a sculpted hand that holds uh, a card that sits on the table. And, and the card is the significant card for what the thing is. Uh, but there's a cool hand, and it comes with a bunch of cubes and over a thousand cards. So, That's not an exaggeration. Over a thousand. There's a thousand cards in the box. Question then. Yes. Do you feel that this was an adequate amount to pay for a pop-up book? Well, <laughs> is it is it a pop-up book? No, it's not a pop-up book. <laughs> did, 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 you described a pop-up book. I did describe a pop-up book, but it is not a pop-up book. Described a really complicated and heavy pop-up book. It's a very heavy book made out of four books that come to about 400-ish pages plus of text. Um, it's weird because the, the, it, it also comes with some sheets that tell you what to do with all the stuff, so that's nice. Uh, and uh, th there's a thing that says, okay, read the books in this order, and it, and it takes you through, as the GM, by the way, uh, read the books in this order, uh, start with the key, and then go through, and which is character creation and the, the player's handbook, is basically. And then uh, the next book is the way, I think, which is magic. And then the next book is the path, which is the setting. And then the next book after that is the gate. No. What? Okay, so there's, there, there's the key, the path, the gate, and the way. And one of those is the GM book. And it, I think it's the gate. But I can't, but now I'm, I'm not looking at them, so I don't know. Uh, anyway, so that you read the GM book last after you've read all the other books. Uh, so I've, I've been trying to do that, but um, it's, it, um, sound. I, I, uh, I want, I, I it, 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 this is a game that like, I love on paper. Like all of the qualities about this thing, like I really like it. But then I'm, I'm as I as I'm digesting it, I'm like, I, I something about this. I don't know. There's something about me. It's giving it's a crawly feeling. I don't I don't know what it is. It's just sort of like it, it's not coming together for me. And I don't know I don't know exactly why it's not landing. I think it's just like um, nothing about this entices me to want to run it. Like it's cool. Like, there's so much of it that I really like. It's kind of like this um, what new are the fictionalized parts? occult. So it's really, like, on brand for me as something I would like. But uh, he, well, the thing that, that's fucking with me about it, I think, the most is uh, the amount of heavy lifting it's asking any potential players to do. Mm. And it, it's it's... Like, I, I would hesitate to invite people to want to do this with me as a GM. Like, it, there, it's, such a, it's such a big investment. Like, I would want to do this if I had, like, a very steady group of people who were, like, really into this very particular thing, like esoteric weird RPGs, and wanted to, like, embark upon climbing an Everest-ish experience you know where there's mm -hmm. a lot of preparation a lot of investment and you know going through it 
feels like it would be really cool because of the structures that are ostensibly in play. But that it just feels like a big ask. Mm -hmm. That's how I feel about the burning wheel. Um, I don't, it's not mm. as big and complicated as um, what you're talking about, but it's still like, I feel it's one of those games where you need that really serious buy-in. One time mm. I was trying to pitch it to some of my friends and I was like, okay, you really have to read at least part of this tome that I have to kind of grok the game. And I think one of my friends who was always very down to read RPGs and enjoys it, like started and was like, nope, I can't, I can't do this. I'm not going to play this game with you. Um, <laughs> and it's just like, it's, it's sad because it's a really cool system and there's a lot of like moving parts and interesting things to play with there. But it's not something that, yeah, I, I feel very comfortable bringing to the table unless I had a very specific group. Yeah, I, I've had a similar experience with Burning Wheel where, where the players I started to try and run it for uh, started making characters and then like became, became dissatisfied enough with the character creation that everybody was like, yeah, let's just scrap it. Mm. Wow. See, and I like the character creation in that game, but that's interesting. That is worrying if you don't even make it past character creation. No, it's just the experience we had. I'm not saying that's going to translate to anyone else's particular group, but uh, yeah, I mean it. You know. It does happen in some games. Like I had similar issue when I was playing Technomar. We we did get past character creation, and it was fun afterwards. But we almost stopped playing before we actually got out of character creation. Was which is kind of worrying. Hmm. What was what was the what was the, what was the issue? Um. Basically, everybody was. There's like a list of um, relationship adjectives, basically, to, that are dumped in a hat, and everybody basically picks one for their relationship with other characters. Mm -hmm. And it's totally random, and it basically ended up with. Results that were random, not results that were, that made any sense. Hmm, okay. Like, it did not make any coherent sense at all, and it put, like, you know, people that were actually dating, like, actively antagonistic towards each other, and it's like, that's eh, probably not... Like, you can do that out of character. Like, you can have that in character and keep it separate, but it's like, it's still not the kind of thing that you necessarily want people to have to do. And it's like, it would have worked a lot better if you had have chosen it instead of it being random. But following the rules as written, it basically caused a lot of conflict before we got out of character creation. And it's not supposed to be a PvP game. Right. Huh. Wait, 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 wait. This is uh this is uh Cyberpunk Noir game that isn't supposed to be PvP. Okay. Yeah. Okay, if you 
<laughs> that has you draw a random relationship. Okay. See, I I thought that, like it was just an individual like it was trying to do a certain thing, and then I and you're explaining to me that uh, no, the mystery is not the player character. That the mystery in the double crossing is not the player characters themselves, and that made me completely reevaluate. Yeah, like, what they were trying to go because, for because like if this you, is like, it's not like double crossing that oh curse your inevitable yet sudden betrayal it's like no we already knew it was going to happen at the very start like it's not even like a betrayal if they weren't really working together in the first place yeah huh yeah so what was good about that game (laughs) (laughs) i'm trying to remember like it's been quite a while that's like the main part that stood out to me um i do remember having fun with the rest of it like once we got going it was fine i had sort of like it sort of had almost a like the feel that Shadowrun's kind of trying to go for but more of like the the exploration and stuff rather than oh we've rolled like a bazillion dice and we're fighting like uh max in the street it was more like you know you're in a futuristic film noir is i'm trying to think of a good way to describe it and i can't really do it because i don't really remember enough about it but i i liked the feel of what it was going for Mm. and i think it captured most of that feel once you're past character creation it was just character creation had like that one weird like stumbling block to it that did not feel like it belonged in the game Uh, okay cool so other things (laughs) <laughs> uh yeah uh things things we like so some of the some of the things that we were want uh i just totally lost my train of thought because i looked at something i shouldn't be reading <laughs> um that's okay well one of the things that i i thought i'd at least bring up um a little bit because i was reminded of it a little earlier is i quite enjoy um the character creation system in traveler mm-hmm. uh the one i most familiar with is the first edition mongoose one the relatively recent one um but i've like i find that system to be mediocre at best um but the life path character creation system is really interesting i think um i know other games do that as well but in a game that is pretty mediocre i think it's interesting I mean, what? there was a there was a version of a life path system in Catrice's game. I don't think it still has it, does it? It does, but it doesn't have any mechanical weight anymore. Actually, I think I mostly removed it because yeah. it didn't make sense with how the game was set up. Like, I like the concept of such, but it just didn't. But if, if if the whole idea is you learn who your character is over play, it doesn't make uh, sense to define them by backstory. Um, there's some definition by backstory the problem was actually more so that it ran Uh, into the problem with um, different 
characters coming from different worlds, it didn't make coherent sense to have like your backstory be based on like your professions and such and things that you've learned growing up because of like where your career path was headed because it's like this character is going to be a squire and then they became a knight and this other person was a nuclear physicist and this does not work <laughs> and i just realized there was no way to make it make sense uh, so, yeah okay so what specifically fred about the life path system did you like about it in traveler whether it was this edition or i guess life path system in general um so the two things that i or, or the two main things that i really enjoyed in the the mongoose one and i i i know at least one of these isn't in most editions of traveler um but the first one is just i think there's a um a lot to come from that kind of generated story you know kind of not being in full control of what is going on forces you to do interesting things and approach things in ways that you probably wouldn't have um because you know in traveler i mean in the mongoose edition you don't or you generally can't die in character creation unlike the older editions but you can get some interesting uh like uh, drawbacks or problems that come and stuff like that, which are role, role-playing tools down the road. And the other thing that I liked about the Mongoose one in particular is that they had this thing where you were incentivized to create connections between the players. Um, so, like, two players might have had military careers, which is one of the big things that you can go into. Um, and so you could say, oh, during this battle we saw each other and one of us helped each other out and there's a small incentive for that. So that kind of creates some good, um, you know, builds the party a little bit, I should say. Um, without it being forced, it kind of weaves into the backstory that is already being created. Yeah. Can I, I, can I have you back up for just one second, perhaps go over something that people listening might find extremely strange? Uh, dying in character creation. Hmm. Uh, so in old editions of Traveler, um, I can't remember exactly how, but in various ways, uh, if you rolled badly, like as you're going through this life path character creation system where it's randomly generated, uh, you can either get injured or in, especially in the older editions of Traveler, you can just straight up die. So there'll be a result on a table or something that says, okay, your character's involved in some accident, you're dead, start over and make a new character. The, I wonder, I can't fathom why that's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I can explain why it's a thing. I can't give you a satisfactory answer. I'll take an I'll take I'll take an oblique explanation of what you think that designer had in their head. Go ahead. Okay, so the designer was the designer was trying to to like present the was using the life path system as a way to present the universe and to make a fate that is truly like 
out of your hands. And if if a universe is, has any type of real deadliness, some people, some potential characters just aren't going to live through enough of a career to end up on a spaceship. Especially if right. they live pretty long. Yeah, we don't tell stories about them, so why did we, you make me tell a story about the character that didn't make it? All uh, you did was waste my time. Well, so the, you're so you're very aware that those that sometimes that happens to people in this universe and, who seem to be promising in various. Like, it is to it is to prepare you for what they're trying, what the game's trying to be. I don't think Traveler is actually does a very good job of being that. But I am here to tell you that you can instantly die in an accident in the actual gameplay of that Traveler game too. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's fine. It's it's just like it, it just seems like hey, when you're playing Traveler, for every hour you play Traveler, roll a D20. If it comes up a one, stop playing Traveler. Yeah. I it, it would be a D one hundred and it would be less than ten. Okay. <laughs> so under five, maybe? So that would be five percent on a D one roll a one. Just saying. No, oh. I I know I mean less than ten as Oh, okay. If you roll less than that. Yeah. 9%. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's, that's not entirely accurate, but yeah. Uh, basically, <laughs> I hope I explained what, what I think the designer was thinking based on my memory of those books. I, I don't think it's a great idea. Uh, oh, I don't yeah. think it's a good idea. I don't agree with it at all. I, I just. <laughs> I also, I, uh, but also we are currently talking about it in the year of our award, 2020. So, and that is the only, so, it's you know, it's I did this mistake earlier today. It, it's fine. There, I've only missed one too. So it's fine. Yeah. Or is it 2020 also? I, I, I managed to catch it before anybody saw that I wrote down. I'm like recorder that it was like 2020. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. I, I don't think I've ever done it on paperwork, so I feel good about that. Good for you. Anyway. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the interesting part I find about this, though, is that mm, this kind of thing does actually come up in games in general, like. You see this kind of thing in like video games less frequently, but you do get kind the a similar mentality that if you actually try to talk somebody out of doing this sort of thing, usually what you get as a response is, "Oh, you just want to make the game easier." But it's like it's more like what Rob's describing of like just roll a die and. If you roll poorly, you just randomly flop over dead. Just stop playing the game. And it's like, that's not so, difficulty. There, there, it, there's one thing that pushes back against this being ex exactly the same thing as that. Uh, you tend to die in interesting mem and memorable ways in character creation. You just don't just flop over dead. You, you die because you... And because the spaceship that you were taking, you were doing your training in, exploded or whatever. But yeah, I mean, from your perspective, you're mostly going to flop over, Dad. 
yeah, yeah, of course. But it, it would be interesting if that if that catalyzed if like you died in character creation and then like okay, so now you have a brother of the guy who just got smoked and now you have a backstory for your brother and why your brother died or yeah. father or whatever, you know, or 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 mom or sister connection? child yeah. something. It wouldn't be great because it'd be like, oh, that's really attached to that character and I really wanted to play them and now I have to make another character. And well, yeah, like, but oh. it gives you a genuine yeah, sense but, of loss. Okay, if you, are, if you are like sitting down to make a Traveler character, you are not like, uh, how should I phrase this? You're not attached you to that are, character. You're not attached to that character until they've lived through three sessions. Um, <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> unless there's something like uh like really that really stuck out as memorable about them and that was cool then you might be slightly disappointed that they died but you probably but uh another thing like a weird thing about the dying character creation is unless you are intentionally making a character that has veteran that where you're pushing for veterancy to get more like starting abilities, which is a thing in Traveler, but in that version of Traveler, by the way. Oh yeah. Uh, for the most part, you're more likely to die younger than at towards the end of it, unless yeah. But when you're older, you do get um like stat debuffs and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Yes, but uh, very specifically, if you're trying to ride the edge, though, you can. There, there's also some, some more death events if you go for as long as possible but that's beside the point uh this is this is dwelling way too long on that uh okay so what i like in catrice's game where what was it what was i going to talk about in city orsa because uh it's not a game that normally appeals to me for a number of reasons that i'm trying to remember there was something very specific that i wanted to point at the tech one no the one you actually the oh. one you actually did. All right, I, I like the I I like the interflow of this thing. These things are uh, there. These things are broad categories, and you and there are many different flavors of them. But you and you move into a more narrow, specific to this super world version as. You grow and learn more about it, and join a and join a cute druid cult where you tap into the fantastic nether nether wilds that every that your stupid guardian angel is drawing from to create monsters. Or am I remembering that right? Kind of. <laughs> that sounds roughly. I mean, that's like a big broad outline of what happens yeah. uh, from my memory. But yeah, I think it's a, a yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can go further with it. One of my playtesters had their character decide that they didn't like the druids recycling the monsters after they were done with them and has decided to to collect all of the monsters and save all of them. This is now part of their quest. To save all monsters? Well, they didn't want them being disposed of. Yeah, okay. Yep, yeah, fair enough. 
I can see their logic. Uh, I am sure that that the guardian angels make a lot of cool and cute individuals that just get thrown into the garbage, and I can understand being opposed to that. Yeah. Yeah, it turns out that a lot of players will want to rescue all the animals. All of them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh god. Uh, I need to mm. I need to recalibrate my brain before I go into before I I start remembering as speed runs. Anyway. Oh <laughs> god damn it, get where I know exactly what you're talking about. Um but I need to get into that. Anyway. <laughs> uh so I we'll... also know what you're talking about, so you can stop talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> Goddamn nerds. You're... How dare you, sir? <laughs> How dare I? Anyway, uh, the game I don't like that has good things in it. Well, I've been playing fifth edition lately. Oh, right, because right. you're doing a because you're writing. There was a reason. Edition. There was a... yes. Well, I, yes, I am. I am. I am writing a fifth edition supplement. Have written. Mm-hmm. Not writing. It's done. Oh, uh, I mean, it's done to the point where it's playable. It's uh. Oh, okay. It's not. Yeah, published. I mean, it's not, it's not like done. Not done. Published. No, no, no. Uh, it's done to the point of playability. It needs play testing. Um, and so I am, <clears throat> I am playing fifth edition to get a better sense of. Uh, what people are looking for, like what the pain points are. Um, and, you know, finding the places where it's more fun. One of the things that's, uh, that's interesting to me about this game and many other games like it is the, uh, the weird sort of, um, what is it? Trading card culture that pops up around it. Uh, and by that, I mean... Um, the comparing of abilities and uh, sort of trying to decide like what fits best for a character or you know what would give the character the most amount of uh, I, I think players are generally looking for the most amount of agency and usually that comes in, in uh, from straight up power but sometimes you, it comes from options do you mean like theory crafting I mean, um, like theory crafting, but also like the, the the practicalities of what comes out of after theory crafting. Like, there's so, there's some fun to be had there, and I, I, I'm saying that because uh, my brother pinged me today and asked me he wanted my opinion on like what sh- feet should I take at eighth level, and I was like, I don't really know. I'm kind of not immersed in that, but I'm happy to take a look at some stuff and let you know what I think. Um, but it, 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 and looking at through some some options for him, I was like, okay, this is I'm having some fun here. Why? Why is this interesting? Like, okay, so I'm helping my brother out. I'm I I, I kind of want to figure out what he's trying to achieve with this character and help him connect to the thing in the game that helps him achieve that. Right. And that's fun for me, but I, at the same time, I was questioning, like, why isn't the game just better at letting him know what's good? Or giving him, like, 
the thing he actually wants out of his character rather than let me pick from a list of things that I kind of want, but there's three three options and I can't quite tell which one's better type thing. And mm-hmm. the discussion that comes up around that is kind of fun and interesting. Uh, but at the same time, it, it, it to me as a designer, it feels like uh, this piece kind of shouldn't be here. And I'm not, uh, I don't know why my resistance to that is, is ex- exists exactly. Maybe it's just time away from the table that is better spent doing other stuff. I don't know. I mean, part of it might be wanting clear definitions of like, this is better. This does what I want it to do. I mm-hmm. want to pick this. But there is some fun to be had when it's almost a puzzle to be solved where it's like there may not be a perfectly clear answer you might get it down to one of three options and it's like uh, they all have pros and cons i don't know which one's the best one but the fact that you're thinking about it is almost a mini game in and of itself for some people yeah like some people really do just like taking pieces like parts that they're handed in turning them into something interesting and new and creative that was more than the sum of its parts. Yeah. I, part of the issue we ran into, or he and I ran into was like, well, the best option here is just taking plus two charisma, but it's also the boring one. And it's kind of fun to have more of a Swiss army knife type thing. Like he was going like, I, both of us think that's fun. And while the charisma bonus would give him attack damage, save DC and, some other cool stuff. Um, yeah. It's just a straight numbers boost, and it didn't, like, as a player, I was noticing that he was wanting more out of out of the feat than just a straight numbers boost. He was happy to get, um, you know, mm. a plus one from somewhere else, but he was, it, 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 he was looking for, uh, you know, something interesting, another option, like, to, to do with his thing, so... Yeah, I noticed that very much when I did one of my first play tests of actual gameplay. Mm. I noticed that I was using a point buy system to build monsters to fight, and I immediately noticed that with a point buy system, I was basically forced to choose between monsters being powerful or interesting. Mm. And it's mm. like, I don't like this choice. This choice should not be present. Like, I don't like having to do this because the objectively correct answer is to pick the power, but the power is boring. This is not what I want out of combat for players. I want players to be, like, if they're in a fight, it should be an interesting fight. And the point by system basically precluded that from being possible. So I had to gut the whole system. And I think mm. this does show up in a lot of other games in different ways. Mm. Like when you're made forced to make a choice between here's an option that gives you raw power. Here's an option that gives you fun. And it's like, that is not a good thing to offer to players. Like this is not how it should work. I agree. Yeah, that's definitely <clears throat> a bad feels. I notice how uh, I notice how we immediately keep going to shit we hate. 
<laughs> it's kind yeah, of a recurring theme. Yeah, we're not very good at dwelling on the positive aspects. Um, we're trying. Yeah, we're trying. Because uh, because uh, they're all hey, you know in about GURPS point buys. Hmm? Oh yeah, point buy point buy systems. GURPS is a good point buy system. GURPS is well no, designed. <laughs> take it back it's not good yeah it's, i was it's... gonna say i was gonna say uh yours is, is well designed if you have gone through the list with markers and uh, uh, <laughs> yeah what i was trying to say is i like gurps but uh the part i like about it is actually how simple it is to run once you're done doing character creation yeah it's actually a, a beautifully simple game. Uh, if you, if you know, um, it's one, it's one kind of dice roll. The dice roll has a very pleasing uh, curve to it. Mm -hmm. If you like that sort of thing, I do. And um, uh, it works pretty well. I mean, I think, I think it works best as a light game, just using the GURPS light rules. And I think it works even better with pre-generated characters. So yeah, I can see that. But once once you're there, I think it's a, I think I think uh, the character creation system, especially for GMs, wards too many people off of GURPS. I think people should try GURPS just as a, uh, just as yeah. a, a rules like game, and they'd be surprised how 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 fluid it can be. Yep. Also, don't try and do physics in GURPS because it will try it, you. It will let you. Uh, <laughs> it will let you do physics. Don't just don't don't do that. I mean, you can if you really like doing physics, then you should be playing GURPS and maybe nothing else. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there there are like three other games you can play. <laughs> anyway, right. I've been trying to look through games that I've played to find some that. I can speak well of that I remember enough about. And I can say I actually liked a lot of the concepts for Only War, for the Warhammer 40k Imperial mm -hmm. Guardsman one. I didn't like the rolling mechanics at all, those terrible, but things like most of them, like they had an interesting way. I think of handling the fact that guardsmen are expendable, which is most of your options, you get two guardsmen instead of one. So if you're playing a more powerful character, like a commissar, you get like one. If you're playing just a guardsman, you get two of them. They're just like, here's two characters. You can have both of them. And this was actually kind of weird, but interesting because it did emphasize both the concept of, yeah, you're expendable, and after you're done this mission, you're probably going to have a new character, because one of these guys isn't making it back. But it wasn't so complex to run that it was an issue having two characters, and it did a good enough job of making your two characters feel unique from one another. Like they weren't just 
carbon copies of each other with the same stats. Like it actually felt like they had a little bit of a different personality going on. It actually felt like you had two characters and I actually appreciated that. Hmm. Cool. That was, uh, that's, that's one of the few game, one of the few 40 K games I actually didn't, I didn't end up running at some point. Um, oh yes. Uh, speaking of 40k games that I mostly had problems with, but uh, liked something about Rogue Trader. Uh, I don't know <laughs> if this is intentional, but I have I have rarely found a game that has gotten me so excited about the group of morons we're playing more than that game. <laughs> I mean, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> Please unpack that statement just a little bit. Okay, so Rogue Trader uh, is the, plays with the idea of playing with the with the fringes and the people above the rules in the 40k setting. So you are playing <laughs> the least dreary part. I mean, everything's horrible around you, but you're profiting off it, so it's fine. Uh, no, <laughs> but also, that, but also, that is the that is the motto of the Rogue Trader, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> You're not wrong. They they are the America of the 40k universe. You you get to you get to you get to do tourism of all the grim dark things and just go, oh neat. Look at these look at this cute little civilization we're gonna ruin. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, the American corporation of the 40k universe. Yeah. Be because each ship is is basically a corporation. Yes. Each with, each yeah. Yeah, each ship is a corporation and design and uh, Anyway, uh, but because of the because they are above the rules and all sorts of things, you can the the typical main crew members on a forty k on a forty k rogue trader vessel are get, allow you to play with a lot of the really stupid weird edge cases of the of the forty k universe, and the, it's very good in at leaning into the the major comedy elements that are intrinsic to how Rogue Trader and how 40k originally presented itself and that is my favorite part of that universe so you know yeah yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it does good jobs with things like warp travel where I had a friend describe it recently as yeah the Rogue Trader as the captain says where they want to go and they're flicking bunches of switches and dials and such and the family of astropaths is just sitting back snickering to themselves letting them touch the things and pretend that the child is flying the plane <laughs> well yeah you have you have to keep the rogue trader amused otherwise otherwise he might actually realize he's you know just enabling the rest of you uh anyway <laughs> yes <clears throat> yes you you have you have entire families of people living inside the guns that's exactly what i was about yeah. to bring up because yeah. those are like some of the safest places in the imperium to live oh by far it's, yep it's, it's luxury that, it's like yes you live inside of a giant plasma cannon. Yes, and your job is to, and your job, and the job of your entire family is to load the plasma cannon whenever you get, whenever your rogue trader gets in a fight with orcs. 
Yep. And and this is safe. This is like top 1% safety in the Imperium. They actually make it feel that way. Yep. Yeah. You have food. You have... Uh, you're in the safest place possible, basically. Like, you know, uh, it's, it's great. Yeah. But, uh, you have sure. a Geller field around you at all times, which in the 40K universe, you cannot, uh, you cannot uh, overstate how much of peace of mind that is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to yeah. just be surrounded by a Geller field at all times. Uh, it means that demons can't randomly show up and eat your face. And well, and then also drag you to the warp and fuck you to death for eternity. And so. it, it also means that none of your friends are likely to turn are likely to turn into de are likely to be possessed by demons. And mm -hmm. uh, you, you can you can basically trust everyone around you unless the rogue trader invited somebody on board the ship. In which case, you can hide in your gun, and nobody's going to come to the gun. No, that's that's not where they take gas. Nobody's gonna come with a gun. It's not where they take guests. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, it is true. Damn, that makes me kind of want to have played the Babylon 5 RPG because I totally would have taken advantage of that thing where they had an episode in the show about it. Where they bring down like aliens that wanted to learn about their culture and it's like, so Wait, you've got like not just other civilizations, but you've taken like the worst parts of your own civilization, like the poor and the needy, and you've just isolated them into this area where they're like starving, scrounging for food. They have like almost no breeding options. You are masters of evolution. We envy you. Anyway. What? They got enough. They got enough fight over that, but it was good. <laughs> Sorry, it was supposed. It was a very fucking weird show, but it. I have not actually played the RPG, but I imagine it would probably have a lot of weird stuff like that in it. If I remember correctly, the RPG has a lot of good elements, but it also has a roll to hit which body part you with a gun. Yeah, we can. <clears throat> That's not part of the nice discussion tables like that. Yes, no, yeah. it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Unless somebody wants to insist it is, but uh, <laughs> I don't Does think anybody so. likes the roll to hit tables in a game they've played. Wait, you do, Rob. Riddle of Steel. Fuck. Okay, the reason. All right. Thank you. You called me on it. True. I will describe why the body hit tables and Riddle of Steel are good. Because they are. First of all, you only reference them once per fight, generally speaking. And when you do, generally speaking, that's going to be the last thing that happens. Uh, it, or the second to last time you reference it in the fight. Uh, generally, if you're, if, if the, uh, first of all, you are picking where to swing based on... Okay. This is going to sound more complicated than it is. Rolling yeah, you've, you've done this a few, a few times before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Anyway, so you're looking at a, a picture of a guy, you know, a guy in a, 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 just a, a human body, right? And it has zones on it. And you pick where you're swinging 
your weapon, and um, then you you roll a hit, uh, and the person rolls their defense, and you're rolling d10s, so successes cancel out. Whoever has more successes gets gets through. So if you have more attack, then you hit the guy. If you have more defense, then uh, then you don't hit. And some some maneuvers can use the the excess successes on defense for other stuff. So I would uh, like to interject one thing quickly that's going to make this sound not nearly as bad because I know Rob's trying. Uh, the key thing is that you don't tend to get into fights. If you get into a fight, it's basically a duel, and it's just one on one, and it ends pretty quickly, probably on the first hit. Yeah. So most there's... of the time combat is one strike and or a couple of exchanges and then if there's a so so what happens is you roll if you hit right let's say you hit then you roll a d6 and this is the actual where the blow lands thing so it does so just because you aim at a zone and you throw a swing there doesn't mean you land on on exactly where you want so Let's say you're swinging at zone uh, five, which is the top of the head. You may strike the top of the head, or you may strike the shoulders, depending on the d6 roll. So you roll a d6, and then apply the number of successes uh, on that chart, uh, which indicates uh, what actually took the wound and how severe the wound is. So if you did, let's say, a level three wound, meaning three successes got through, to zone five and you struck the shoulder, then that might be a pretty severe neck injury. In which case, that person uh, who was struck just took a boatload of shock, is bleeding, and it took pain, and which all reduced their dice pool immediately. So if they aren't at zero, um, you know, they're likely to be finished off by the next blow because they have literally no defenses at that point. Uh, yeah, the key so. behind how this is functional is that this is basically instead of just rolling back and forth and just mm-hmm. wailing on something's hit points, you're probably going to kill it if you actually hit it. So it's the combat is severely compressed down and it's only two people at a time. So, generally speaking, yeah. And, and yes, the other thing is the players realize combat is deadly enough that that if they're in combat, it means that something has gone wrong or they have initiated a surprise combat where they have a tremendous amount of advantage. And it's rarely in between. So it go, it tends to go quickly one way or the other. But uh, it, it, lend, it lends itself to very exciting stories when the when the combat actually starts, uh, because you 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 understand the player understands that they're in mortal danger, <clears throat> and that that if they misjudge what what the GM is is doing and what their position is they they could i mean i've i've been killed in that game i lost a character that i was actually pretty happy with and it sucks because you've invested something but you also see how fair it was it doesn't feel arbitrary which is something that a lot of games could learn something from i i i realized i made a mistake <laughs> it was like, oh that was my fault whoops 
Uh, but it still sucked. But uh, I haven't been killed in a game and felt that in any other, any other, any other game really. Where it was like, oh yeah, I totally got myself into that one, and yep. Yeah, it's generally something I've actually tried to aim for for my game because I do like that concept where it's like, mm -hmm. yeah, if you died, you earned it. This wasn't a roll of the dice. Like, rolls of the dice can put you into uncomfortable situations, but to actually die, you generally have to fuck it up pretty hard on your end. Like, okay, sure, the dice allowed you to get the fork out of the drawer in the first place. You're the one who stuck it in the electrical socket. <laughs> Right, but you don't you don't put the agency in like if you if you don't put the agency inside the dice rolls for the most part you you you, yeah, you give the play right yeah because I think agency is like if you're gonna die it should be because of your own agency for this kind of thing usually the some game types like the Warhammer one I was mentioning ago a moment ago, only more, like, the point is, you are expendable as fuck. Like, that's the point. They pulled it off well. There's, like, some cobalt game I can never remember the name of, where you play a family of cobalts, and every time you would take damage, you instead lose a cobalt. Right. Like, this actually makes perfect sense. It's not the type of game I'm going for, though. Right. Like, if you want to make a game that says your choices matter, then your choices have to actually matter. They can't be completely overwritten just because you didn't roll well. Right. Well, hmm. How, how, so that's an interesting point. So, like, what games, what games actually help you feel that? that, that, you, uh, that is that it Cobalt's Ate My Baby or is it the other one? I do not remember off the top of my head. <laughs> I have only looked at it. I have not actually played it directly. Uh, yeah, okay. That's fair. So you wouldn't know the difference between Cobalt's Ate My Baby and, oh god, what's the other one called? <laughs> I don't remember either. <laughs> I know there's more than one, though, that had to do with Cobalt's. But yeah, that's part of why I can't remember the name. I don't know if that's the right one or not. Mm. No, that's uh, something I include. I mean, letting having enough characters to let one die is something I did in Ashes from the beginning is, is just a concept, like the squad-based idea of having a troop with you um, is what allowed me to include some instant death effects in the monsters without, with impunity, sort of, you know, because... I know, I know that the player is going to have to make a hard decision, uh, and also that they're probably aware that 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 at some point they they may have to make a hard decision when fighting a, a monster like that. Uh, so, it, but it but it's it, it makes I think having having genuine it's really hard to put genuine stakes in an RPG like that, right? It's really hard to have death on the line when death can mean the end of participation for a player, right? Because it, it, the, the threat is either softened by the fact that you know you can't kill them, the player knows they can't be killed, or 
there's the the risk of uh running into the brick wall of non-participation yeah this is and you know you either way you solve it your game catrice is like well yeah you can die but it you don't you you don't stay dead but the thing that killed you is going to be like a, a nemesis until you go back and solve it and that yeah. creates story right and then it makes there's still consequences of your death but it creates story and I do yeah. actually want to give credit for that because that basically came from listening to one of the Spoonie Bard's videos, actually. Mm. The thing where he was like, yeah, there are worse fates than death for players. There are some things that players will absolutely, they will, they will die. They will be willing to sacrifice their character long before you give them like negative levels, for example. <laughs> Right. Like, they'd rather just start over. Mm. And as long as you have that in mind, yeah, there's definitely things you can do to punish a player so that they don't feel like, oh, well, I died, but I got revived, so it's fine. It's like, well, you can make it so that they actually would have been happier if they died. Mm. But th then you can use that to build more story or more interesting things so that they enjoy the character more so i i do think this is good i don't think i've seen any other game that i've played do it though i mean so the one that comes to mind and unfortunately i'm going to talk about a thing i like and a game i like um but in various powered by the apocalypse games and the one that comes to mind is monster hearts because i love monster hearts um you don't like you have a choice about whether you can die once you fill your harm track um you can die or you can it's lose all your strings or become your darkest self um so there's a choice that you can make and then interesting consequences that happen to your character because of that um and you can choose to die yeah but it's things that you could die if that's what you want to do. It's like, okay, I've had my fun with this character. I'll make a new one. Or it's, okay, um, there's, I become my darkest self. Like, I don't turn into, like, you still retain your control of your character in that, don't you? Uh, it depends on the darkest self. You have less control, generally. Um, but yeah, you still do have control. I mean, as long as you have some... You have control. You have control of the approximate direction you are facing, but you are not allowed to make good choices. Yeah, and you are and you are compelled to behave in a certain way. You are compelled. Yeah. You are compelled to attempt to attempt to cause problems on purpose. Is the is the short version of all of them? <laughs> yeah. I don't know that I like that quite as much because it does strip most of the agency away but you do still have some control and it might be interesting to be like okay this was a nice fun good character and now I get to see them basically be stripped away before my eyes. I could see some people liking that if it's a I mean well, it is the dark kind of thing. Yeah in theory it should be an extension of the character it should be part of them their darkest self is not entirely removed from who they are. It is just, uh, it is just an extension of their worst qualities. I mean, yeah. I think the witches in particular is they're still trying to help people. They're just 
Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the chosen too. Like they're still trying to help people. They're just being really selfish and shitty about it. Yep. Um. Uh, I mean, that's something that can be interesting too. Like um, the Prometheans in World of Darkness. Like a lot of people don't like playing the Prometheans things because. They're apparently really powerful compared to most of the World of Darkness characters. But I actually found I really liked making the character for them and coming up with like all the unique ways that they affected the world around them and that it is kind of selfish. Like if they're if these things start manifesting, it's because you've been being kind of selfish and just sticking around an area for too long of a period of time. It's like, well, I made friends here and it's a nice place and people aren't trying to kill me. Oh, because I didn't abandon that. Now people are trying to kill me and I no longer have any friends. Shit. What? <laughs> No, I actually like that concept of it. What? I lost the thread there somewhere. They they say. I'm not gonna try. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about it. Move on. <laughs> okay. Corinthians okay. weird. It's fine. Oh, oh, right. Okay, yeah, that's what I. Okay, the Promethean thing. Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, the, the, they have an aura of people uh, People hate you as soon as they start to recognize you. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. I've, they're, they're, uh, what's it? Disquiet? Is that what it's called? I think uh, they have disquiet. three. They have the Disquiet, the Torment, and the Wasteland. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. It's, it's, it's World of Dark. I mean, like, it's it's fine. I'm sorry. I, I shouldn't have. It's I'm, I'm overreacting. I'm overreacting. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> I actually like that about it, though. Like, it was weird, and but it was something that you had control over. And it mm -hmm. wasn't, like, random. It wasn't like this just happens for no apparent reason. It's like, no, you kind of know this is going to happen. You can control this to some degree. You have some control over, like, where you are in the plot and such. Like, you have to choose to stick around and make it bad. Like, it doesn't right. go bad unless you're basically hanging around longer than you really should be. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's the, uh, it's the, um, you're basic. You basically have to play the 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 uh, David Banner Incredible Hulk in the seventies, where you where you just go from town to town, uh, get get getting uh, appropriately angry and solving problems. See, clearly this is like Fred's Wanderlust, but you're playing the Hulk. <laughs> See, totally works. Well, I already have a playbook for that, so. Do you really? No. <laughs> you should. You should. You you, you. you. You should have an incredible Hulk playbook now. Honestly, like the 
It'll be pretty funny. <laughs> Incredible Hulk slash Promethean, like the Abomination playbook. Uh-huh. Oh, actually, I can get down with that. All right, well, I guess I'm going to have to write another playbook tonight. Damn. <laughs> Do you have anything for the littlest hobo? <laughs> We're just playing a dog? What? What? <laughs> Or can you just be any playbook as a dog? Uh, you could be any playbook as a dog, but for some of them, it would be kind of awkward. Um, like the Hulk when you're stuck playing as like Cerberus now. I'd I'd be down for playing Cerberus as a hobo. <laughs> All right. I'm so... just thinking. No, go ahead, Fred. Your your opinion is more valid. Oh, I, I was just gonna make a joke about saying like, oh yeah, we've got you know. The normal, like, train riding hobo. And then we've got this scared little runaway kid. And then we've got this pilgrim who's trying to find himself. And then there's Cerberus. Just being horrifying. (laughs) Yeah, yep. Yeah, Mm -hmm. if you see the bonding between the little kid and the puppy, (laughs) this is is what really melts your heart, literally, because of fire breath. Uh, I'm just, I'm just thinking of the, I'm just remembering the time I played Iron Sworn as Odin, but a dog, but uh, that's fine. <laughs> what was, what was the dog's name? Old One Eye. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what else did you think the dog's name was? <laughs> I was just, I was just wondering if we were on the same page. Yep. Okay. Anyway. Anyway. Um, oh, so I think I said in a previous episode, like just a few back, um, that I don't really like fate. And I don't. I, like, I like it in theory. But the couple times that I've sat down to run it and the couple times I've sat down to play it, I just I can't... I don't know. I can't get down with it. I can't grok it. Um, but... I really like the aspects in Fate. Um, I mean, I assume you're all fairly familiar, but the aspects where it's either part of your character, it's just a small written description that you either use to roll or use to create part of the scenery. And it's a really cool, simple concept, but I can't, I just can't do Fate for some reason. I would recommend trying the Dresden Accelerated book. If you, it, it, it is the be- I think it's the best version of the system so far. Uh, and the reason I say that is because it reduced all of the stats to basically six skills, six approaches, and then uh, gives you PBTA-like playbooks with their own um consequences tracks that affect them differently and it's it's interesting it's really good it's 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 like the coolest version it's like it's the best version of fate for sure um because you don't you you don't you don't contend with that weird skill pyramid it kind of feels like okay i'm rad at these three things and then i'm not going to try the other stuff unless i'm spending an aspect (laughs) <laughs> you know, and um, it gets away from that. It, it, it. I think you only start with four aspects by default too. So you, you only have 
four instead of five, and I think, or I might be wrong about that, but so it's streamlined by quite a bit, and then, but it also does this like layer on top, uh, the the playbook type thing complexifies it just to a really nice degree, where the where the characters are using somewhat distinct mechanics. Um. Yeah, because theoretically, by the rules of core yeah. fate, you could do that if you had really wild stunts. Right. Uh, but that's they're, not it's in more the game. That. Yeah. That's yeah. not in the game. Uh, so it doesn't count. Like the, yeah. the game I, rules permit it, but they don't give you examples of it. So, you know. Well, let me give an example of what I mean. So, like, there's one of the things the Dresden Fate uh, book does is. Um, uh, like for uh, it makes the mortals really interesting, right? So if you're playing like a police detective, um, you can misuse your badge, and misusing your badge has its own track. So if you if you basically break the law as a police officer or um, use your badge in an unethical way, you get you you mark a stress box for it, and when that gets filled up, an internal investigation starts. Like the some you know trouble happens at the department that is uh aimed at you and more or less every so there's some version of that in most in most of the playbooks where they have their own particular trouble track that they can spend to get some uh additional uh benefit out of their playbook or additional powers or something like that you know um and usually it's for narrative effect, which is really interesting. So this, you know, allows you to do X, you know, uh, you, you check off the stress box and that means you can uh, you know, uh, lean on somebody saying like, I, I hey, you know, I, I'm going to fuck you up as a cop. I'm going to I'm going to run you in or something like that and threatening them with your badge. And that can handle some a mechanical thing in the scene. And but it has a it has a backlash. So. It, it's a really neat version of uh, implementation of the fate core rules. Nice. Okay. Da, da, da. What I wanted to say is, um, God, there. This reminded me of a mechanic from Mutants and Masterminds that I actually liked, but I can't remember what that mechanic was. God damn it. <laughs> Which is a game I will do nothing but bad mouth outside of this, by the way. So, it's <laughs> which which version? Uh, I think the version I played was second edition. Okay. Oh uh, right, uh, icon icons, which is not this is not what I was going to talk about. Icons has a a lot of neat ideas that. Uh, what did I actually want to say about icons? I think one of the one of the ways that icons uh, interprets its version of fate points is interesting, like how they how they flow, how they can be used, and how you gain powers through them. Uh, I my general opinion of icons is it is a mess that is trying to be two things, you know in a way that it doesn't really understand that it's trying to be two things. So but that's beside the point. So, so what do the fate things do? What are, what's, what's something that they do okay. that you like? Okay. Trying to, God, 
I had it in my brain for a second. Now I need to find my copy of Icons to confirm the mechanic works the way <laughs> I think it does. Because <laughs> <laughs> I only played it once, and it was like five years ago. Mm. Icons, super play role-playing assembly. Okay, I don't think I ever played this. Uh, okay, so what it is, is, you know the people who played, who, you know Green Roden, who does, like... Mm -hmm. Made in the masterminds, uh, they heard about fate and they decided they could do that because they, okay. they made a generic rolling playing system. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and and uh, so they struck, so they strapped uh, important narrative like conventions onto, but they still had a lot of the core of what they thought was essential to the game, and that is what icons is. Oh yeah, I'm looking at that. It actually describes this. Uh, interesting. Okay, so the default dice rolling method, d6 minus d6, mm -hmm. which produces a fate-like bell curve. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> like I said, they extremely heard about they extremely heard about fate and decided mm -hmm. they could do that. <laughs> okay. I mean, that looks fine. I mean, what do they call it? De determination points. They call it determination points? Or is that a... That's what they call the fate points, or they call it something else? Yeah, I'm determined just... Determined everyone is used to differentiate the resources. Okay, so... Okay. Oh, you can't buy it anymore. Bummer. Yeah, I'm sure... And I don't... And I think I lost my copy of the PDF. That that sucks. I sure. I I I really wish I remembered the the exact way the mechanic works, but I think it basically, uh, if I remember correctly, uh, how it worked is you, determination points could be used to like give yourself a bonus on your on your roll, and but it very specifically, you had to spend a certain how you got exp is you spend your determination point that you earned, and. Mm -hmm. That and that informed your development and growth, and I forgot exactly how they did that, and it's really bugging me now. And I, I'm pissed off. I forgot how to do. It worked. It was the one cool thing about that system. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I, I had, yeah. Mm. Anyway, I can, I can rescue Kavar. Okay. So there's something we have to discuss. You can't do this topic without it. What? God. Shadowrun. Oh, God. Uh, oh, yeah. Shit. The setting and the concept are great. The implementation does not actually do either of these. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we're basically saying the common thing that people say about Shadowrun, which is the mechanics are generally garbage, but setting and fluff is A+. Play Shadowrun in any game other than Shadowrun. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to... God, I'm trying to think of anything from any edition of Shadowrun I've read mechanically that I've liked. Fuck. Um, <laughs> oh, can't do it. 
might be something, but I don't remember. I, don't really I, I only read one Shadowrun, so I, I'm excused from this. I, I only needed to read one Shadowrun. <laughs> and I decided that I didn't really actually need to read any of the others. For a second, it was going to be like, well, there's the mechanic of, like, as you... I forget what it's called, but as you gain cybernetics you lose in magic power but it's not really that great because it it's only like it basically punishes anybody who has not been maxed those yes uh yes it incurred uh i also am not a big fan of cybernetics literally eating your soul i don't think that's a good uh i have some problems with that thematically but that's beside the point what uh, so I confirmed Kavara has a demonically possessed toaster. <laughs> so I'm just curious. I don't own a toaster. <laughs> yeah, what would he use that for? The fuck? Um, I mean, all the better to burn in hell with, my dear. Good job, Catrice. <laughs> so I, I want to ask Kevoir, why don't you like that? Yeah, whatever that spirit thing is called where you're you get the the cybernetics and it messes up your magic because i i know that that is a controversial mechanic but honestly that's one of the ones that i mean i don't necessarily like it but it offends me the least okay as a mechanic it's fine i guess uh, other than encouraging you to only go hard one way or the other, and uh, encouraging you to play a character that is a cl- as close to snapping into a sociopath as possible. Because uh, <laughs> you only roleplay it if it breaks over, right? So you need to get as close to that line as possible if you have the money. But uh... Yeah, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, that you're, you're, the street samurai is like trying to get to, you know, 0.01 essence. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. No, my my problem with that is uh, just the, the general like the idea that the very nature of technology is is malicious and cannot be aligned with the universe. But that's uh, that's me just being sort of philosophy thing. No, that's totally fair. Like, I know there's a lot of games that do that as a concept i don't usually like it myself i believe the first one interestingly might have been the star the west end star wars book because they had a thing where uh having a cybernetic replacement made you weaker in the force which by the way that's the first place that that's the first place that appears and also that would make darth vader weak in the force which yeah, no, that, 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 that is not true in the Star Wars universe. Right. In any capacity. Uh, <laughs> right, yeah. but that, that's where that comes from, interestingly. So I, I think that book predates Shadowrun by a couple of years, but I'm not 100% on that. Uh, I don't... I The reason I think Shadowrun has it is because they have... There's uh, the, 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 the idea... The thematic idea that technology has overrun nature and nature is kind of getting revenge. Yeah, that, that is a thing in Shadowrun. And I, I think so. it might also be partially just that Shadowrun is 
class less in quotation marks, but it heavily hurts you into several classes. <laughs> yeah, classless in quotation. Yes, thank you. That is, thank you. Yep, I feel that too. Because you can speak, you can talk about anybody who has played Shadowrun talks about Shadowrun in terms of classes. Like, I played a summoner mage. I played a some you know street druid i played a hacker i played a technomancer i played a street samurai i played a yeah. uh diplomancer you know whatever uh whatever you optimize for and there's certain pockets that, that shadowrun allows you to optimize in and that's 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 uh that's, that's what you do but shadowrun can be fun because sometimes it is fun to upend 36 dice onto the table mm-hmm. And just be like, look how many dice I get to roll for this 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 thing, which is gonna. Except you know what? It's so funny. In, I think in fifth edition, I don't know if this is still a thing in sixth edition, uh, but it it limited the amount of six. The the mechanic they added to combat uh, dice stacking was limiting the amount of successes you could get. Ew. So even if you rolled great, uh, you know, on, there are some rolls like let's let's say you had a limit of three. Uh, on you know your your roll, then it, even if you're all your dice, you rolled six dice and all of them came up successes. You only got three successes. It, uh, this is yeah. not a good concept. Like it's I, I, it, taking it the fun out of rolling. Not, yeah, but we're not talking about that part. We're talking about the part where where yeah. in fifth edition or fourth edition, you just got to keep them all, and that was fun. What was <laughs> the other one that you'd played, Rob? That. All the rolls in the game were like a hundred d six. I don't know if you played it a or different if you version of Shadowrun. I, I don't know. <laughs> no, you, you mentioned, God, it was like a year or two ago now, that there was some game that you had read, and it was like the core concept behind it was that like everything was a hundred d six. It was supposed to make you feel like a god or something, like you were rolling, you know, supposed oh, to sound like thunder. There was a, uh, oh, was that me talking about? I think that was Cavor talking about it. No, That's that me. was you. Uh, that was me. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, I, I know, I know that uh, the Thirteenth Age says that, like, but it says multiple time and multiply times ten. But it's, but I don't recall speaking about that. Maybe I thought that would be cool. It sounds like a cool idea that yeah. I would I say. I remember the game. I don't remember what it's called, though. I tried looking it up. Um, but it was, I think, specifically trying to mimic the fact that you are, like, uh, like the god of thunder or something like this. Um, and that you just, like, had 50d6. You rolled them all at once. Which is, like, that's a cool idea. But at the same time, I don't want to interpret 50d6 one at a time to figure out how successful I am. Uh, yeah, that, that, that's, that's accurate. Uh, just, uh, what was I going to say? Why does Rob not remember this? Is it because above the earth? It, it might have been me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it was like a one word. Anyway, I'll 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 find it and then I'll just yell at some point. Okay. That's weird though. Rob's usually the one who finds like the weird games of that nature that aren't like <laughs> the ones that Kavar finds. That, that aren't the ones that cut. Yeah, I do find the weird games that aren't the ones that Kavar finds. That's true. Yes, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, just uh, uh, I don't find the ones I I find. I, sure I am present. I am. Uh, yeah, I am. Pre- I presented to. I presented them anyway. Uh, I uh, mm-hmm. exalted has like 
six really cool ideas about automatic successes and how and how an ability should be worded. And yeah, that's that's definitely true of Mike Dolphin. Anyway. <laughs> what 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 is cool about those? Uh they they make you they make you they oh god, how should I phrase this? It is very good at emulating some of its abilities, although not all of them, are very good at emulating being a certain type of powerful and the and the idea of a and the idea of the universe bending around like they effectively portray the universe bending around a superhuman being existing that can warp reality around them. And mm. it, it emulates that very well in a very interesting way. Uh, but giving you permissions that are very specific and, and defined in a way, in a sideways way, in a way that still allows for undercuts. Because there is literally an ability in most versions of it that is, you can literally see the entire world at any given time. Uh, you have infinite si line of sight. It's fine. And, you know, that's just the thing. That is true. Anyway, I forgot what I was actually going to say. And I feel really bad about this. A lot of these are me half remembering a cool thing from a game that I've mostly been trying to forget or point. <laughs> <laughs> Which is making me really susceptible to that. Um... Darren. <laughs> they, they haven't even done the namesake of the episode. Oh, D&D? We, we, uh, we don't do Yeah. We, I mean, I, I could have mentioned it once. covered it lightly. Yeah. I mean, are there any good think... mechanics in D&D? Advantage, I think, I is, think... A, is, a, is a pretty good mechanic. Yeah, yeah I've seen it stolen a lot, so it must be good. <laughs> I still like my version more, but I do like the concept of advantage. I, I don't like the implementation of it. Like, you can only stack advantage once and... They converted everything in the game into advantage, so it's like that could have been done better. But I mean, I actually like some of the older versions in some ways more too. Like, I like the way second edition and earlier did stats more than the modern versions. Like, what? I, yeah. Okay. Please, please, I, please, please unpack that. I do not like the overly standardized feel of things, and I don't like that every other point doesn't do anything. Like, oh, I got a bonus to strength. It does nothing. That That's more the case in earlier editions. No. Yes. Not in second edition, at least. I don't, I don't know about mm -hmm. first. I did not play first, but I played second. Every... Every stat point in second edition usually gave you something. Though there were a couple for like charisma up and where there was like a dead area in the middle. Um, but usually you got something every every point, which I did like. Well, there you mean something, but you say something, but yeah, okay. So you're not talking about a bonus to the rolls using that stat, which is what players no, of I, current editions like, would imagine you're talking about. No, I do 
mean that in most cases. So things like but you didn't get a stat bonus until third. So it was it was eight. Let me see. Eight to thirteen was zero. If I remember this correctly, fourteen was plus one. Sixteen was plus two, and eighteen was plus three. I think that was it. No, there's also a lot of other stuff. So, well, but the the, the yes, bonuses, but the dice second, rolls. Just are... a second. Okay. So, like strength would alternate between damage and hit as two separate things. So those would go up independently. So every point would give you something into one of those once it actually started counting. Um, things like intelligence would give you more, well, the equivalent of spell slots today. And it would go up like basically every level. You'd get something out of it that would affect that and would affect like your saving rolls usually. Um, dexterity gave bonuses to your thieving skills like every level and it was different actually I think was that the one where it was every level you get so many points plus a bonus from your stats well, that went into all of them you're describing what the stats do now it was just back then they were completely unstandardized yeah they were unstandardized and I kind of didn't like that to some degree, but I don't find that I like it when all of your roles are so standardized now that it's like, yeah, if you have 16, then you get plus three to every role of this type. Like, it just feels so generic, especially when you can change... It's fire. I'm, I'm confused about what you like more about second editions. You get stat points less often. You get bonuses to roll less often, but they're different rolls. Yeah, but you usually got something. What the, at the very least. Okay. No, it's not, it's not entirely the same thing. So like, what do you get at, like, say, 15 dexterity in third edition and higher? Uh, access to certain feats. I'll confess, I've never actually seen anybody follow <laughs> that rule. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but that, that's something you get. You get access I to know, certain feats. I know, technically that's true, but that's why I didn't think of it, because I've never seen anybody use that. I have seen people use that as often as I have seen them use spell reagents. Well, uh, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying. There's, there's, there's weird corner case arcana in third edition too. Fourth edition, like really standardized stuff, and fifth edition even, even more so. But like second edition, that like the bonuses you got from stats in second edition were all over the place, like literally yeah. all over the place. So why, so why? Okay, so you, you have not done that in your game. Feel. It makes them no. <laughs> I know, I know. I it's not it's not I don't think it's fit for how I'm doing my game either. I don't think it's fit for any game. <laughs> I don't think the, the designers clearly don't think it's fit for D D. Not anymore. Just saying. I don't I don't I, Okay, so I, second I, I, edition was not so much designed as collated. Let's put let's put that on the table. 
So yes, okay, but, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> oh, what was I going to say? I, uh, uh, yeah. But look at okay. So let me okay. But counterpoint: the good things about the OSR. Oh, I'm doing that because I typically don't like OSR stuff. But uh, the good stuff about the OSR games that I played is that they have standardized much of that crap uh, and put it in sensible tables that you look them up and you go, oh, this is where all the information's right here. It's not in, in two different books. This is awesome. Uh, and, and the other stuff about the, like the, the, the streamlining of the play that people are trying to get to with the OSR stuff, the, 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 the nostalgic play of the second and first edition stuff, but, but streamlined in a play in a way that it, it makes sense. And it does make sense. And there's parts of, um, like, actually, I like quite a bit of Adventure or Conqueror King. Uh, there's a, there's a lot of cool aspects to it. I think it does the OSR's thing, my favorite that I've seen. Um, I, uh, the, the, I, I didn't love playing it, but I think it was just, most of it just had to do with what we were doing and the, the adventure was just not my cup of tea, but the system itself, I enjoyed using when I was using it. So, uh, yeah, I'll say that about that. I need to do one reversal. Okay. I need to do the reversal of, I really love Anima Beyond Fantasy, but I hate how it spreads its stats out all throughout the book. Okay, so that's the thing you just liked about second edition. What's going on? No, 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 no. That's not what I said at all about that. No, I meant that there is nowheres in the anima book where you can find where all of the stats do stuff. Like, Literally that second edition. There's not. There's a table right at the front. Yeah, but then there's other stuff in the other parts where it's like, oh, Dex also does this at some point. I, I, I'm pretty sure. I think I've read I okay, I haven't read in a while, but I've got it right over there, and I can go check. I read that every year or two, but okay. I do not maybe recall you know that. So, All right, fair enough. Maybe no. you know better than me. But no, like the, I, the one with anima is yeah. really bad because it's like if you like, it does not tell you anywhere is what your stats do. Like you check a stat, and it's like it doesn't tell you the whole thing for the stat. Like, you have to check the magic section to see what the stats do for magic. And then you go to the psionic section, and it'll tell you what the stats do for those. So it's like, you, there's nowheres in the book ever that it tells you, this is what this stat does for everything. Mm, you have to hunt, like, through hundreds of pages to find out what the stat does. Oof. Yeah, sorry. You'd you'd mentioned like uh stats being organized and that is just one thing that's pissed me off for so long. Well, I'm glad you brought it up again this year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
What, what, um, so, okay, we have totally diverged from the topic at this Sorry. point. Mark, Mark hasn't talked in a long friggin' time or ever. Once he, he, he talked, he talked about the 50 dice game and that's it. <laughs> Which I'm still trying to dig up, but, uh, good for you. Yeah, no, I, I, I admire that persistence. Doctor. I think I, oh, thank you. I also just like don't rag on games that often. So, uh, having mm. a hard time thinking of like, What's a game that I absolutely despise? And then, like, what do I actually like about it? Um, mostly, it's like, I, I would say a lot of the same things that you guys have mentioned, where it's um, the aspect of, like, Shadowrun, where, like, the setting is great, but the mechanics suck, or, like, it, it's designed one way, but clearly it's intended to be used the other. Like, the um, Shadowrun doesn't have any uh, classes, but it definitely has classes that are just hidden. Um, yeah, that's so weird. But I don't know. I don't know if there's like a lot that I can talk about that I generally dislike and finding the, the nuggets of something I like in it. Because I'll, I'll mm. play everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Even something that you think is, say, like mediocre or you don't think it's as good but has one little bit of goodness yeah. in there. Yeah, or just the best feature from a game that you're like, eh, the rest of the game's fine, but this part was really great. I'm fine. That's that's also totally it. Mm. Clearly, mm. You're, all, you're your own worst critic. What's the best part about your own game? Ooh. What's the best part about Praxis? Because clearly, out of every game, that's the one you hate the most. That's fair. At this point, my own game is the one that I can say I hate the most. Um... This is actually good. I don't know. I think uh, favorite part of my own game. That's so weird. Um, I I think I'd go with like the the praxis itself, like just being able to write whatever you want on the card, and that just exists in the game. Felt very liberating for me, like to play as a player, where it's just like. I, don't, I can I can do anything, um, and that because <laughs> that was the, the unlocking the the potential of the game. And as long as everyone at the table was comfortable with whatever you wrote down, then that was awesome. Um, but I don't know. I'm trying to. I'm like I actually you wrote that in pen, but I don't feel comfortable. It's in Sharpie. Yeah, it's too bad. <laughs> um, no, I don't know. I think they're like. I can't think of too many games that I've played that I've been like, oh, fuck this game. Um, yeah, yeah, that's fair. Uh, uh... <laughs> yeah, I don't have too many fuck this game. Uh, I've and it's been like most of the time when when a game hasn't gone somewhere, it's be, it's it's a conglomeration of things. Mm-hmm. And there are some times where it was like, oh yeah, the mechanics really put us down that hole, mm-hmm. or made it made it really easy to get there. Um. You know, like the character creation stuff for Burning Wheel. Like the players were just, you know, the, the three guys I was with were just like, ah, no, I don't like this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, <laughs> that's, that's, that's the most I can say about having played Burning Wheel. Um, I still have, I still have Torchbearer that I want to try. Um, but, because uh, that looks like a nicer implementation of, of basically the same rule set. Uh, but, 
Yeah, I don't have a lot of, like, games where I'm like, ew, never again. Um, right. I'll, I'll, even tr- I'll even play Shadowrun again if, if, you know, the GM is cool and, you know, it's... I, yeah. I'll, I'll sigh. I'll be like, all right. <laughs> are we doing, are we being like Shadowrun, Shadowrun, or you just want to play Shadowrun and we kind of, it doesn't matter what the dice are and we're just kind of, kind of wing it. Like, if it's that kind of guy where it's just like, yeah, we're just going to wing it and, you know, show up with fun characters and, and we'll have a good time. Okay, cool. I played in that kind of Shadowrun game. It's, it's fine. Yeah. It's awesome. Right? Because yeah. if the GM's not enforcing the rules, then, you know, like, okay, the difficulties are all hovering around three, four, five, and you can kind of, like, be good at what you want to be good at and uh, narrate what you do. And I've played in a Shadowrun game like that. That was, that was great. We didn't have to do too much. Uh, like, we just weren't doing the mechanics that much. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ex- except for, like, Edge and... Um, it wasn't Shadowrun Anarchy, which is an implementation of Shadowrun that is kind of rules light in some regards. Um, but, uh, I don't know, it's kind of like the Fate-ish version of Shadowrun. If you... Yeah. I, but, I, under, I understand what you mean. Yeah. Uh, uh, Most of the book is pre-generated characters, which is really weird. Yeah, like um, more, like almost half the book is pre-generated characters. Uh, yeah, and the power system is very doesn't it just feels very generic. Anyway, beside the point. Um, but to speak to what Mark Mark was saying, um, yeah, there's very few games where I'm like I I wouldn't I wouldn't try it again. Or let me think. I I have like six games mm-hmm. that I would never want to play again, but it's. But I like most of them, which is weird. <laughs> mm. I I have no inclination to ever play Blackheart again, but Blackheart sure was a game that I played. <laughs> and you're just you're just not interested because you're done with it. I'm I am not interested because it would produce a very similar experience. Got it. Mm. Yeah, mm. I feel very mm. similarly about. D and D in general, um, like so you could convince me to sit down and play some D and D, because you know it's a role playing game and I want to play them. Um, but I am not going out of my way to run or play D and D because I just just don't care. Mm. Yeah, I I say I'm pretty much the same way. Like, I don't think I hate any of these really i some of them are clunky to play they might actually make take some of the fun away i have quit a D game before because the mechanics in it were just getting too irritating because of how they were being used but i don't think I don't think I really hate them enough that I would be like, no, I refuse to ever play a D&D game again. Like, if I had a friend that I could trust to, to mm-hmm. do, like, the DM for it, I, I'd still play it. I'd yeah. be probably... I'd probably be annoyed that I'm not playing my game instead, but I'd, I'd still play it, and I'd still yeah. have some fun. 
It, it's good when you can trust the GM to break the rules of a crap game for you. Yeah, uh, that, that, that doesn't speak to uh, as game designers. We're not supposed to say that. To some degree, it's almost the motto of the podcast. I think it's more of an issue when the game just leaves it up to the the GM and the players, and it's like. Well, no, since no you guidance. can yeah. since you can replace any of the rules, we didn't put any effort into actually making them. It's like, okay, wait, I have a problem with this. <clears throat> Fifth edition. <clears throat> uh-huh. <clears throat> hey, they, they, they made a lot. Mm. They put a lot of effort to make sure that to make sure that they got all the hallmarks in to fifth edition. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> there, yes, a lot of effort. Yeah. To, to make a very uh, wordy, rules-like game. Yep. Uh, yes, correct. Uh, how do you get, like, a 400-page rules-like game? <laughs> to be fair, if you made a rules-like version of Sayorsa, wouldn't it still be, like, like if, you, if you're if you only cutting rules text from Sayorsa, wouldn't it still be 800 pages long? <laughs> no. No, I actually do have a plan for releasing a light version <laughs> of it, too. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, guessing I'm it's probably going to be 20 or 30. Oh, okay. Yep. Uh, did I, what was I going to say? Um, yeah, so there there are a few games that I don't really want to go back to. But, but, uh, a lot of the times when I, I bounce off a game, it's because this is not something I specifically want to do and not because it's bad and it's, <laughs> Somewhat complicating this, despite the fact I had several examples. <laughs> yeah, because I have played a lot of garbage. I have played a lot of weird things, some of which was garbage. But unfortunately, there the RPG. I'm just getting better at finding things, or the RPG market has improved to some extent, or whatever. Things that there's more games designed in a way that I like, because. In my current version of I'm doing one shots once a week, I haven't run into nearly as many games that I don't dislike or are weird and stupid in various ways. Anyway, uh, mm. so I'm having more trouble talking about this than I would have had two years ago, I think. Hmm. I don't really remember what mechanic I actually like from Zodiac. I'm sure there is one. <laughs> but I don't know that game. <laughs> but I'll be... I don't know it. Um, no, I think I think the ga- the ga- the games that I bought but never ran on some level were that never made it to the table. There's something about those where it was like, okay, this is going to be too tricky to run, or I don't quite understand what the designer's intent is and i'm not interested in trying to figure it out live so i'm not going to bother like so a a game that i really i still really want to try at some point but i want to have it run for me because i can't quite conceive of what a session would look like is fireborn and it's a it's a, which is a game that was published by Fantasy Flight in the 
early 2000s or late 90s. I'm not sure which. I think it's early 2000s. Two books. Yeah. And it, you play you play a dragon uh, in modern day London. Except okay, you're, this sound good. Except you're locked in human form. Boring. <laughs> but you flash back to ancient London where you're a full dragon and that's how you discover your draconic abilities in the present by having flashbacks. So you get to go back, play as a dragon, and then bring those abilities, like some part of those abilities forward in your awakened self in modern day London, where like the same, uh, the same like kind of terrors that you fought back in the day are kind of waking up again because magic's coming back into the world. And that's, you know, that's... So So. it's like Highlander, the TV show, or um, Interview with a Vampire, but Dragon. Uh, interview with a vampire with dragons. It, uh, it's, it, I don't know. No, not exactly. It, it's kind of like, uh, I don't know. The problem is like, there's nothing really analogous to it. So it, that's why I couldn't really, when I was trying to figure out like how to play it, like I couldn't really picture a story um that i wanted to do with the players or even how to guide the players through making characters because you actually had to make you made both characters at the start you made the dragon character and the human character and uh you could advance the dragon character and that would do stuff to your human character and you could also bring abilities for it and the dice system was d6s and you you placed them physically on the character sheet to indicate what you like your your stance more or less like your elemental makeup so you had fire air fire earth water and those were uh you had basic dice and then you had abilities that could shove dice from one pool to the other and you would move them and that was you know stuff you could do and uh different abilities use different things obviously, and uh, you use the same mechanics for the dragon part and the human part, um, but the the scope of effect was was different. The narrative is obviously different, but yeah, cool, really cool game. Still have the books, uh, but... but, Does uh, sound interesting. I'm, I'm not sure how you'd run with that either. That's... That would be... Okay. The problem with this is it seems like it would be one of those games that would be better one-on-one than like with a full group. Like I understand you could have a collective flashback or like fix mm-hmm. stuff, but it still feels like it's trying to tell mm. one coherent story of an individual, even though Yeah, you had to have character specific flashbacks. Like that was part of the thing. Like yeah. so yeah, and you're like a really old dragon and it was kind of assumed you were all same era yeah like but if you're all like the 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 problem with that is that type of setup like if you have four of those dragons running around they kind of kind of loses like some of it you know point of that type of character strangely Mm -hmm. enough i could see it working with a single player if you did something vaguely similar to like the story roughly behind 
the Shadowrun novel of Ragnarok. Hey, I, that's, that doesn't help me. Like yeah, bas- no, basically, okay. So, so sorry, but basically, concept was like um, dragons in the modern era are basically setting up like a big battle between them, and one of them's actually managed to get a hold of a, a literal nuclear bomb, and it it cuts back to like their their previous things as like whelps in like the fourth age instead of the sixth age mm-hmm. so it's like this is why we're setting this all up and in short basically um it turns out it's just sibling rivalry and like they were willing to blow up an entire city and then they just didn't because it's because one of the dragons thwarted the other one and it's like so are you going to kill them? What? Why would I do that? It's my brother. I'm not going to do that. It's like, he was going to kill everybody. And it's like, yeah, we're just playing around. Why, why would they stop from <laughs> killing everyone just because, just you know, they want to? Because they're dragons. Like, you know, what's the point? I bet. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's just dragon raisining. It's like, we could wipe you guys out at any time. We could kill each other. I mean, but I mean, we're not taking this seriously. I mean, sure, we could have killed like a couple million people, but we didn't. So it's all good. Fine. Because dragons. <laughs> I mean, it's fine. Anyway, uh, it's, it's hard to make games about dragons. Yeah. It's hard to do mm-hmm. that. <clears throat> I don't. I, is there a game where where you get to play a dragon that's that come, springs to mind as as something where you get to like really do the dragon fantasy besides riffs? Ah, damn it! So, <laughs> that was what I was. I said it. Say. I said it. You get to do it. You get to be a dragon in riffs. It's a really cool part about riffs. We're talking about the cool parts of games. Like that's a cool part of riffs. You get to be a full on like badass dragon and rip apart jets and shit. Yep. I go. would say. My game can do it, but once you're ascended, as yeah. that's fully adult dragons. Yeah, no, but that's, but that's just it. God mode anyway, right? Like that's yep. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I gotta try to remember the name because there is one game I can think of where that you can kind of do that. Mm-hmm. Savage Worlds Rifts also does it. I think it well, does it in a better way than than basic riffs, actually. Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> sadly not D anD D. You can play as a dragon in it, but if you, especially in, I don't know how they do it in newer versions, but I know in older versions you could take monster levels. So, uh, yeah, in third edition there was there was a book called Savage Species that. Uh, more or less allowed you to level up as a monster, um, provided you started as a monster from level one, basically. Like, hey, what's it like to play a level one Mind Flayer? And then you could do that and play a Mind Flayer from level one, and you're about the equivalent of a level one character. So you don't really have the fun parts of a Mind Flayer, but, you know, we'll squint and make it work for a while until you get to be have the fun parts. 
and that was yeah. that was the game. So it was playing a dragon. That was not really the, yeah. satisfying the fantasy of playing a dragon. No, it really for wasn't. the most part. Which is and, weird yeah. to me because it's Dungeons and Dragons. Like, okay, I want to be a dragon. Mm, we didn't really think that part through all that well. <laughs> you also can't play a dungeon in Dungeons and Dragons. Well, you can if you're the dungeon. GM. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're you're right. you're right, you're right. You can animate. You can have enough enough things that are done. Not only are you generally playing the dungeon, but you can also have a dungeon that is made of enough living things that you can actively be playing a dungeon. You're correct. <laughs> anyway, but uh, what I was going to say is, I did. I remember the game I was thinking of. It's a fate variation, so it doesn't count. Mm. <laughs> what is the game? Oh god, I'm trying to think if it was a if it was a specific like somebody wrote it or if it was just I oh, okay. or if it was just something I did in a fate accelerated once as a joke. <laughs> it is impossible to tell because I can't don't know how to search for it and it's not currently in my list of PDFs. Sorry about that. Let's see. Is there an art list of TTRPGs where you can play a dragon? <clears throat> I mean, if we're going to count the DM or the GM or whatever, you can play a dragon in Ryutama. <laughs> uh, let's see. Rifts, Council of Worms. That's one. I'd assume uh, you I've could heard of GURPS. That. Yeah, you can in GURPS. Yeah, you can do that in GURPS. A... Yeah. Is it? Does it feel good in Dragon? Um, if you are playing in a Supers campaign, yes. Yeah, if we get into Supers, like... Uh, I haven't found a Supers game that I like. Like, I've played, like, um, Heroes Unlimited from Rifts, but I didn't really like <laughs> it that much. Let's see, there's a game called Epilion, uh, uh, a dragon epic from Magpie Games. Yeah. Oh, Empilion is not playing that type of dragon, but it's cool. Uh, anyway, uh, I really need to play that one time. Uh, but because I've read it. Uh, but what I was gonna say is, uh, is Rift the one game where the super setting is actually lower powered than the default one? Uh, yeah. In terms, yeah. well, yeah, I guess so. Yep. <laughs> I never thought of that, but yeah, kinda. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to just was just thinking about that. Point I mean, that out. Yep, that's weird. <laughs> no. I'm looking up stuff. I found something called Council of Worms, but yes, well, that was already mentioned. Oh, I yeah. missed that. I was looking for stuff and didn't notice. Sorry. Yeah, it was uh, it was D and D second edition. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I'm pretty sure worms are the opposite of dragons. Like those are in the ground. No, they'll be YRM. Anyway, is there anything anybody else wants to bring up before we call them? <laughs> So hang on a second. Hang on. I, I found a Reddit thread. RPGs where you can be a dragon. Top top comment. Epilion, dragon-centric from the word go. It's not an options game about dragons. 
There is also Fireborn. I am not licking it because my recommendation is to stay far away in bold. <laughs> oh. Well, running people could have bad opinions. <laughs> but I, I don't know. Maybe there is an actual problem with Fireborn. But uh, Impilion is... Uh, why I don't think it's a proper dragon game for getting what it it is is it's also is it also leans into adventures and and to characters learning things and like kind of being uh a soft adventure story instead of you know a story about a bunch of ass a bunch of horrible assholes who who care not for those around them mm. but well i guess it's also that because because yeah anyway I mean, this makes me want to make the game about being a dragon where you get to be a dragon. The the problem with that, the problem with this, like, whole fundamental mm. conceit is, yeah, but why, but is this a PvP game? Because if not, why are three dragons actually talking to each other? Yeah, it would be something, I mean, there, that would, that would... See, I, I, for for me, that you would have to have that as an option, like either the PB, PvP version of territory control or the version where it's like hey you're a gold dragon a silver dragon and a copper dragon you all kind of want people to be okay and for your realm to be good and uh you are uh you know spread very thin over this area because like there's a lot of bad shit and so you're trying to like negotiate to build armies and stuff you know there could be a really interesting narrative in a dnd esque setting where you're a dragon trying to help people be okay and like people are like hey you're a dragon come fix our problem because you're like the ultimately powerful thing and you're like yeah but i you're asking me to be in like six different fucking places at once and then there's also this flood that's coming that i keep trying to tell you about and you're not preparing for and what the fuck right exactly and that'd be an interesting (laughs) game to me yeah yeah i mean that's kind of the game i'm writing with ashes but not exactly yeah, uh, yeah, that's what's interesting. Yeah. So can oh, we be oh, dragons oh. in the ashes? Well, that well, no, you can't be dragons in ashes because the dragons in ashes are personified chaos, more or less. Well, I mean, you can't be a dragon on purpose in ashes. Uh, anyway, <laughs> that's correct. There is, yeah, there's that. Well, you referenced a canonical dude. This I'm not even. I don't think I've even talked about, but like, yeah, there's a canonical half dragon. At, in one version of Ashes, that of was like, course there is. went halfway into turning <laughs> yeah. into one and was like, oh, fuck, this sucks. And then, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, anyway, uh, yeah. Outside of games where you can play dragons, uh, is there anything anybody else wants to bring up or should we call it an episode? We'll or- call it an episode because it's nine, it's been two hours. Or, Fred, do you have anything you want to say? Um, Or Kevoir? The only thing I thought of was something that would have only fit last week, so... Oh. I'd do it anyway. Okay. Um, I could just because I was looking at my RPG bookshelf, and I saw Fellowship, and I like Fellowship. It's a, for people that know, it's like a Powered by the Apocalypse, Lord of the Rings game. Um, But most (laughs) characters in it have companions. Which is, again, kind of cool in theory, but the couple times that I've run it, it's really kind of dragged the game down. 
um, because you give like you give a player a whole other character to deal with, or multiple characters sometimes. Sometimes, and they're not supposed to be the focus of the story, but they still tend to drag the game down a little bit and kind of just muck everything up a little. Yeah. Uh, uh, in my experience playing Fellowship, which oddly enough wasn't the one running, uh, I I did have a number of companions, but my companions were two, were two dog were two dogs in my living shadow, so it was fine. <laughs> You know, that that does seem kind of weird because the thing that you're blah about is the thing that I was yay about for um forty k one. Why am I blanking on the name of it? Now? Only war. Only war. war. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Except for in only war, they're roughly equal. Uh, a companion yeah. is a companion is like three stats. Uh. Yeah. The. The companions, like the way you're describing it, it, almost seems like basically the companions in Paper Mario. They, they are. Like, that is an incredibly apt analogy, actually. Mm. <laughs> it's weird. It's like weirdly true, though, isn't it? Mm. They, they have two abilities that are useful that you, that you expend or use as their HP. And yeah. that's, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> they're, they're very cool. I, I like them. Uh, my my dog my dogs were very, my dogs are very smart. I just didn't focus on them as like major characters. They just came up when they came up. Uh, mm. My expert business consultant <laughs> was very important to my character to my horrible to my horrible moth swarm. <laughs> that that. I was I was playing an elf. Hmm. Hmm. I was legally an elf that happened to be a swarm of moths. Anyway, <laughs> that's fine. That sounds more like a dwarven thing. No, it it was extremely an elf. <laughs> yeah, that's very that that could be very elfy. That sounds very elfy to me. Yes, especially. Okay. Yeah. All right, I just cut you off. Keep going. Yeah. Especially no, because I, I can explain the logic on why. On why a swarm of moss is one hundred percent an elf, but uh, I don't think that's that's for this podcast. <laughs> Good night, everyone. Good night. It is night where you are. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Why you would? We have no idea. Yeah, I, you do. I you. know what you do. You. That's right. And we love you for doing you. And keep doing you. Yeah. Right, Hell yeah! Stay in drugs. Yeah. Don't do school. That is correct. <laughs> Especially now. Holy yeah, smokes. no shit. Don't do school, Fuck, people. It, I am, I am just burning money right now with school. Uh, yeah. yeah. And oh, drugs. God. Don't do school. Uh, travel. If you're going to spend money anywhere, go somewhere else. Yeah, it's not the best time to travel, but you're kind of mm. right. Yeah. Anyway, uh, good night. All right. Good night. Later, nerds. Uh, uh, I didn't in exit out the podcast fast enough. Now everything's on fire. Why wasn't this scrolling the entire time? All right, whatever. I couldn't see it. That's <laughs> dumb. Uh, a crazy. Let me edit this. How dare you?
how dare you? I am the worst I, I took on that responsibility. <laughs>